to uh, pray for our missions team. And so, Stacy, if you're coming from the balcony, as Billy Graham used to say, it's only eight and a half minutes if you begin now. Uh, so, Stacy, Alexis, if you're on the front pew, it's only three steps. Ashley. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking. Y'all come on up. I want their families to come too. So if you're uh, families, why don't y'all come? Nick, come on. Don't be bashful. Brother Jim. And Cricket, I'm going to ask you to pray. So if you'll come. Uh, we never know what God's plans are. Uh, Cricket can share more if she'd like to before she prays. But um, we, they were actually supposed to leave today at 4.10, but uh, there was a strike by the uh, crews of Air France, and so they've been scrambling in the last 24 hours. And So obviously God's in control and God has a plan, and we're not smart enough. And if we haven't learned that by now, then we'll learn it in the next 11 days. And so anything you want to share or... Y'all just be praying for them. Um, if we are supposed to add some days to the end of the trip, that God will let them know that and that uh, there will be openings uh, for them to come home eventually. Um, and uh, if you will watch uh, emails from Ann Porter, she'll tell you the day ahead where they are and how to pray. If you're not on that email list, I'll be in the back and you can sign up uh, after church. So y'all just be praying for them. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, God, we are so thankful to be in your presence and to um, get to experience all that you do in our lives and then to get to share it with people, God. Um, your word has shown us that you always want to be where your people are, God, and that you send people um, out so that they can know your presence. And so, Lord, we just ask you right now to surround um, this team of people, God, um, and their families, Lord, and just to to make open doors that only you can open, God, to um, open opportunities that would allow them to share your word, um, to make your timing perfect in this situation, God. Uh, we pray for the Kanyanki people. Um, that they will be receptive to you, Father, that you will defeat Satan in anything he tries to do, um, that in the name of Jesus, uh, we already have victory and that the Kanyaki people will get to experience victory, um, Lord, and then um, that you'll bring them home safely to us and that um, we will get to uh, praise you uh, as a result of what you do in the work over there. Um, give their families grace and peace and, and trust in you during this time, Lord. Remind us as a church to pray for them um, constantly, God. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all. So you all be faithful to pray for them. One of the things that God continues to teach me in missions is that he is God and I am not. He's in control and I'm not. And apparently... Um, that's a lesson I have to keep learning because he's always uh, uh, doing what he chooses to do. I want you to know that in two weeks, not only will the missions team uh, be reporting about what God has done, 
but also Fred and Joyce Smith's son and family. It's Aaron, his wife, Elizabeth or Beth, and kids will be here. And they are retiring from the military, yes, and God has called them to Africa. What a wonderful life, unless you're Aaron's mother. But anyhow, uh, so uh, they're going to come and just share with us about what God's called them to do, and so we're very excited about that. And so two Sundays from this morning, we'll be kind of having a missions emphasis. We're also blessed this morning to have Stephen Berry with us, uh, not only retired military, but a chaplain and uh, raised in this church. And uh, I don't know if he still claims us, but we still claim him. Uh, and also, Marvette's little boy, Kevin, is here, who's just gotten back from a mission trip, maybe in the last month, to Cuba. Wow. So, um, very excited. We're glad y'all are here uh, this morning. Um, I think the one thing that opens our lives... Uh, to God is humility. It's the one thing when I read the scripture and I look to the people that walked with God and God used their lives powerfully that characterizes all of them. It is this place of almost what I've expressed that I am not God and He is and it's not about me but it's about Him. And you know that seems to be uh, that seems to be a hard life lesson whatever it is that we pass through in life. Um, that He's God. And um, I think we have to come to the place where um, we allow God just to empty us of ourselves and fill Him, fill us with Himself his power and His grace and His love. Understand that our lives are about His glory and not our comfort. And all of those life lessons, I believe, that God wants to teach us. Obviously, the, the antithesis of humility is pride. At the core of all sin is pride. at the very core because pride comes from the depths of hell do you know why it's because it is the one thing that casts Satan out of heaven if you know, want to know the one thing that will kick you out <laughs> not that that really is an option for us but it will be pride what was it that Satan desired in the very beginning to be God? Well, the position was already taken. And so Satan and his those that followed him were cast out. And when he came to the first man and woman in the garden, what was it that he tempted them with? Take of this fruit and eat, and you will become like God. God. And what was the one thing that they did that cast them out of the garden? 
it was that sin that I would say in its very essence is the sin of pride of saying it's about me I want it my way uh, I want to be in control uh, I want to be exalted and so the next two weeks I want to talk about the greatest virtue and the greatest vice I had to think about this because the old saints that wrote oh, like C.S. Lewis and he's not that old but um, not that far in the past a lot of the the old people that I would respect would say that the greatest vice or sin is pride and if that is true then I have to believe that the greatest virtue is humility and when I look through the Bible and I look at the people as I said earlier that God used in a significant way the one thing they all knew was that humility opens up our lives to God it'll be the one thing that will always usher you into his presence I want to look at a number of scriptures this morning um, but the one for me that kind of summarized it all is in James chapter 4 verse 10 James 4:10. James writes humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up humble yourself humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up uh, the word humble humility is a word that means in its essence to be of a lowly mind to be a to be to have lowliness of mind I, I, I want to use the phrase to think little of yourself and I don't mean just think I'm a little person but don't think a lot about yourself not in your standing but don't be consumed with me and mine and life and how people perceive me and what I want and what I deserve and who I think I am and what I think I have achieved to think little of yourself and I think that's captured in that word as James and we'll see in other uh, scriptures this morning to humble yourselves to think little of yourself I don't want you to equate humility with low self-esteem yeah, yes I understand that humility means lowliness of mind it means to think little of myself but I don't want you to equate it with oh that means for me to have low self-esteem and just think that I am the dirt of the earth or I'm worth nothing or I don't matter that's not the biblical sense yes the biblical sense is to think little of myself but I would say it is coupled, it is married to this concept 
not only to think little of myself, but to think greatly of God. And yes, we end up in poor self-esteem if we just think I'm the dirt of the earth and God doesn't care about me and I don't believe in the greatness of God and I'm just, I'm nothing. I'm just like a speck in the, you know, a dot on the timeline of eternity and I, I just don't matter. That's not the sense of humility. In, in the biblical scriptural sense, I don't know, maybe in our world it is. Um, in the biblical sense, and I think we'll see this, it means to think little of myself, but to think greatly of God. And so, what does James 4.10 say? It says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And so, partly it's coupled with the greatness of God. And know that He will lift you up. The implication is if you lift yourself up, and we'll see this in the Scripture, God will humble you. (laughs) But if you will humble yourselves in the sight of God, you will know that God in His exalted state will look down and the one thing that will usher you in and to bring you into God's presence and will exalt you, not that that's the reason we do it, will be humility. And God, the God of this universe, will lift you up. And so do not equate humility with this poor or low self-esteem that says, I'm just dirt. Always biblically and scripturally, the fullness of that thought is, yes, to think little of myself, but to think greatly of God and what God could do in my life and what how God sees me. And I said this in uh, the sermon uh, around Vacation Bible School, talking about self-esteem and parents and how do we do that. Our self-esteem is always based upon how God sees us. If it's based upon how you see yourself, how other people speak about you, your own achievement, all of that, know that someday, uh, yeah, you're going to lose that. But if your self-esteem and your worth is based upon how God sees you and what God can do in your life, then I think that's a healthy self-esteem. So humility is to think little of yourself with the understanding that you are thinking greatly about God. I'm struck by the fact that all the significant people of the Bible understood this truth. Mm -hmm. I thought about Moses, a man that God used in an incredible way. And in Numbers 12.3, it says parenthetically, Now, the man Moses was very humble more than all men who were on the face of the earth. So Moses is this larger-than-life figure that God uses in just phenomenal ways. But the Scripture says that he was the most humble man on the earth. And I would submit to you that today what we learn first from Moses is that the secret 
to the power of God that flowed through Moses' life was his humility, the most humble man on the earth. I thought about the man after God's own heart, David, and actually this thought started registering with me in reading the Bible through, and I'm, I'm in the book of Psalms, and struck by how many times David talks about, in the Psalms, humility. I don't have time to read all of them. The one I would just submit to you today is Psalm 51, 17, and doesn't even use the word humility, but David, Psalm 51, you know the, the historical context of Psalm 51? David has committed adultery with Bathsheba, murdered her husband, and tried to cover it up. And the prophet Nathan has confronted him, and David has confessed, and he writes Psalm 51, verse 17. He says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, these, O oh God, you will not despise. In, do you understand what David has communicated? In the most horrific sins that anyone could commit, David said, the one thing that will draw me close to God is a broken and contrite heart, or what I'm talking about this morning, humility. You're telling me you can commit those sins. But if you have a humble heart, that sinful person can draw close, be drawn close to God. I mean, that's how powerful humility is because humility is a brother to repentance. And so obviously David's not just feeling bad about himself, poor self-esteem. But he's thinking little of himself and the greatness of God. And he understands that the one, the one sacrifice... Do you understand? David is saying, when you came into the presence of God in the tabernacle of the temple, you had to bring a sacrifice to come in the presence of holy God. David says, don't bring an animal. Bring a broken and contrite heart. Come before God with humility and you will be ushered into His presence. Even humility overcomes the most horrific sins. His own Solomon, his own son Solomon, David's son Solomon, who was a man who could have been full of himself. The wealthiest man, the wisest man, a powerful man. In the prime of his life, he writes in the book of Proverbs and he speaks often of humility. But the one I submit before you in Proverbs 3:34, he says, Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. <laughs> That's going to be quoted twice in the New Testament. Once in James and once in Peter, 1 Peter. So for the man that could have been full of himself, he writes over and over in his wise sayings, the book of Proverbs, about humility that God gives grace 
to the humble. I thought about that night uh, in which Solomon had completed this magnificent temple to God, which had taken years. And the Shekinah glory of God, it tells us in Second Chronicles, comes to abide in that holy place. And there's all this dedication and pomp and circumstance. And the Scripture tells us in Second Chronicles 7, that night, oh, when all the pomp and circumstance was over, and I guess everybody had left, and I guess Solomon had gone back to his place. Maybe he had laid down for the night. It says that the Lord God appeared to Solomon in the night by himself. And this is what he says in Second Chronicles 7. He says, Solomon, when the day comes that the people have sinned and I withhold the rain and famine comes and sickness covers the land, when things really get bad because of the sins of God's people, this is what God said to Solomon in the night. He said, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves. When it gets bad and the circumstances of life are humbling you, the one thing you are to do in response to those circumstances, the first thing is to humble yourselves before a mighty God. I thought about the great prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah... I'd never really noticed this, but speaks frequently of humility. In Isaiah 57, 15, Isaiah 57, 15, the prophet records these words. It says, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit <laughs> to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. I don't know, it's just it's an incredible verse to me to see this contrast of he talks about the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place. With who? Who does the, the exalted one dwell with? Who has the right to stand in the presence of holy God? One characteristic. He who is humble. He who is lowly of mind, who thinks little of himself but greatly of God. That is the one. That is the one characteristic that allows you to be ushered into the presence of the exalted one. Oh, the prophet Micah in 6 8, Micah 6 8, he says, What does the Lord, I'm supposed to have this memorized, which is easier than finding actually the book, the book of Micah. No, I'm there. Micah 6 8, he has shown you, O man, what is good. 
And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? The one characteristic (laughs) that enables us to walk with God is humility. Thinking little of myself, but thinking greatly of God. Oh, if we came to the New Testament, we don't have time to talk about Jesus and what Jesus talked about, humility. Except let me mention a few of them. When Jesus set the people down for the Sermon on the Mount in in Matthew chapter 5, and He opens His mouth, and they are listening. What is it that He is going to teach us about God and God's kingdom? The first words that came out of the Savior's mouth who came to teach us about God and His kingdom. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, the humble, for theirs is the kingdom of God. (laughs) That one statement should have rocked the world of the religious elites of their day. What are you talking about? Jesus knew the heart of God, obviously, and He knew what the Old Testament taught that the one thing that qualifies us to inherit the kingdom of God is humility. Thinking little of ourselves, but thinking greatly of God. Oh, two stories that Jesus told. One in Luke 14. Jesus tells this story for those who were vying for the best seats at a banquet. Hmm. The best seats in those days were at the front. I know some, I, I'm sorry. I don't. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cast stones at anyone today. I, I just take take that for whatever. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was a little. That didn't have anything. That wasn't very humble, was it, this morning? But those in the front pew are fe- feeling a little self righteous right now. Yes. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, Jesus told the story about those who are vying for the best seats, and he says, when you go to a banquet. He said, don't, don't, don't go sit, don't seek out the best seats. Because the master may come, and there may be someone who is more important than you, and the master will come and say, hey, buddy, you've got to get up from there, because this dude is really important. And he said, then you're going to bump all, be bumped all the way back to the poor, the bad seats. He said, but when you go to, go to a banquet, he said, sit in the back, in the, in the bad seats. And he said, the master will come in and look at you and go, what are you doing sitting back here? No, 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 you're going to come and you're going to sit right up here. And Jesus concludes and he says, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. Later in Luke 18, Jesus tells this story. That two men that went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, one a tax collector, who we all know is a sinner. And when the Pharisee prayed, he told God how good he was. (laughs) Bless his heart. And Jesus said, and the man who was known to be a sinner, the tax collector, stood over in the corner and wouldn't even lift his head. And he cries out to God, 
God be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said that man left that holy place justified and not the man who had told God how good he was. And Jesus says it again. He who would exalt himself would be humble. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus was communicating, obviously, that the one characteristic, I would contend this morning, the greatest virtue, the one characteristic that opens our lives to God is humility. Paul would think about the life of Jesus and he would write, I know I quote this all the time, but in Philippians 2, Paul talks about Jesus, but before he does that, he talks about this characteristic and he says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Everything that Paul knew about the life of Jesus was that he was a humble man. And he writes to the the Christians in Philippi several decades later after Jesus had died. And he said, the one thing that ought to characterize you among yourselves is humility. Because humility not only opens our lives to God, but also... It opens our lives to others because it help us, helps us not to focus on ourselves and be self-consumed. But when we're not self-consumed and we know the greatness of God, then we can pour our lives out for those around us. Humility focuses on other people instead of ourselves. James 4, 6, James... So in James 4.10, James says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. But in 4.6, James quotes Solomon from uh, Proverbs 3.34, and he says, For God um, hmm, opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And I, I conclude with the words of Peter. In 1 Peter 5, verses 5 and 6, Peter says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility for God. And he quotes Proverbs 3.34 identically the way James 4.6 has quoted it. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And he says is kind of his take on James 4.10 and I don't uh, I don't know who wrote first. I think James would have written first. 1 Peter 5, 6, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. The one principle 
that we can trace through the Bible and that we see that all the greats that walked with God and God used in a powerful way is that the one thing that opens our lives to God is humility. And so James exhorts us. He says, humble yourselves. Have this perspective that you think little of yourself, but think greatly of God. Humble yourselves in the sight of God and know that He will be the one that lift, will lift you up. Hmm. I conclude with this thought. If we do not humble ourselves before God. Oh, listen closely to me this morning. God has designed life to humble us. Yeah, if you haven't lived long enough to know this principle yet, you don't have to say amen, those who've walked through some things. Oh, no. No, life will humble you. I got a little tickled with God this morning. I come early at 6 a.m. and I type out my sermon notes, which is my pattern I've done for years. I've written it out on my legal pad, but I come and I type it out. And I, uh, I type this final line. If you do not humble yourselves, life will humble you. That's just the way God's designed it. And I click to the left to print my notes. And that computer program just froze. And that little processing little circle thing that goes around just started going. All right. No, 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 no. I'm not biting this morning, God. No, I'm not going to fret about this. I came home and told Amy, I sat down and I said, okay, yeah. I, it, yeah, it took me about 30 minutes to type out my notes and then 30 minutes to print them. Yeah, in fact, I walked out of my office at one point. I think I'm going to go unlock the Family Life Center at this point. I don't know. I shut the thing down. I just thought it was funny. I just thought, oh my. Okay, no, I understand. I'm not in control. I'm not, I can't even print my sermon notes. But eventually I did. And I should have looked at them this morning. Oh, there they are. Oh, yeah. That was interesting. When you get to be an old preacher, if you drop your notes on the way to the pulpit, you still just preach the sermon. Anyhow, I'm sorry. You know, that's just, that's just one little thing. It could be health. It could be a relationship. It could be finances. I don't know. Life will humble you. And God will send the message loud and clear. You are not in control and I am. And you say, well, what difference does it make whether you humble yourselves or life humbles you? No, it makes all the difference. Because when those circumstances come, that if you hadn't humbled yourself, 
and life forces you to be humble, you take those circumstances and it reminds you of the greatness of God. What did I do when I came to my sermon notes and I knew life's jerking my string? But no, I'm not biting. Because God, you're in control. And it just doesn't really matter. You see, when we humble ourselves and we come to those circumstances, we just think we just say, Thank you, God. You're in control and I'm not. And I don't have to really worry about it. It's, it's not my business. Because I'm thinking little of myself and it's not about me. And I'm thinking about the greatness of God. Hmm. 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 The one thing that opens up our lives to God is humility. So humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, today we we thank You for Your greatness and Your love and Your power and Your grace and that, Father, You're, you're so much greater than our mind can even comprehend. And Father, we pray that our hearts would rest in that. And Father, as we pass through life and the circumstances seek to humble us, that Father, we will have already hit our knees before the sovereign God of the universe to say, it's not about me anyhow, so it doesn't really matter, but it's about you and your glory. And so Father, I pray that we would choose that today every day and Father our our lives would be open to your power and your grace and your love and the world would see the difference in those who've lost themselves for something greater so Father we just pray in this time as we sing that you would just speak that truth and you would apply it to our hearts today pray it all in Jesus' name.